Viewpoint on Mormonism, the program that examines the teachings of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints from a biblical perspective. Viewpoint on Mormonism is sponsored by Mormonism Research Ministry. Since 1979, Mormonism Research Ministry has been dedicated to equipping the body of Christ with answers regarding the Christian faith in a manner that expresses gentleness and respect. And now, your host for today's Viewpoint on Mormonism. So glad you could be with us for this edition of Viewpoint on Mormonism. I'm your host, Bill McKeever, founder and director of Mormonism Research Ministry. And with me today is Eric Johnson, my colleague at MRM. This week, we've been looking at a statement that is found on page 27 of the December 2021 edition of the Leahona Magazine. It's under the heading of Official Declarations 1 and 2. And as we've been explaining, Official Declaration 1 is found at the back of the Doctrine and Covenants, which is a part of written scripture that is unique to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And that Declaration 1 has to do with the position of the church in regards to the practice of polygamy. And of course, Declaration 1 was really a, a more of a press release promising the government that the church was not engaged in that practice, nor would they be solemnizing plural marriages. We know that that was not true. They were still doing it, but that's another issue. Official Declaration 2 has to do with blacks having the priesthood. And we know that in 1978, the LDS Church reversed a position that it had for much of its church history, and that would be that those who were of African heritage would not be allowed to hold this necessary priesthood. And Brigham Young, as we mentioned yesterday, said that that would not be lifted until after all of Adam's posterity had the opportunity to receive the priesthood first. Now, of course, that didn't happen in 1978. But the church made the correction anyway. So what the church is now doing with its membership is they're trying to make this distinction between what is doctrine and what is mere policy. The problem, of course, is we find that in the early years of the church, doctrine and policy, quote unquote, seem to be understood to be the same thing. And the church is now trying to separate it, saying, well, it's okay to change the policy, for instance, of having more than one wife. But of course, the doctrine of having more than one wife is still intact. And we know that to be true because, as we mentioned, you have Russell M. Nelson, the 17th president of the church, as well as his first counselor, Dallin H. Oaks. Both of them are sealed to two women for time and eternity, which means they believe they will be married to both of those women in the next life. But what do we do with Declaration 2? The church is now trying to imply that the policy was banning blacks from holding the priesthood. If so, then what was the doctrine? And as we brought out yesterday, it seems from a first presidency statement that was brought out in the 1950s, the doctrine was the fact that those who have black skin and were at first banned were not as valiant as they could have been in the pre-existence. So if you can't get rid of doctrine, and that indeed is the doctrine— then are we to still believe that blacks were not valiant in the pre-existence? Just because the policy of banning them has been lifted, wouldn't it mean that the doctrine is still intact? They don't really explain for us what the doctrine was that led to the policy of not allowing them to hold the priesthood. We're just trying to draw the best logical conclusion we can with the information that we have available to us. 
Well, not only does the First Presidency Statement of 1951 say that that was the doctrine, I ended yesterday's show by mentioning that Bruce McConkie had a response for those who would question the leadership on this course correction. And this is what he said, and this is found in the Sermon and Writings of Bruce McConkie, pages 164 and 165. There are statements in our literature by the early brethren that we have interpreted to mean that the Negroes would not receive the priesthood in mortality. I have said the same things, and people write me letters and say, you said such and such, and how is it now that we do such and such? All I can say is that it is time disbelieving people repented and got in line and believed in a living modern prophet. Forget everything that I have said or what President Brigham Young or President George Q. Cannon or whoever has said in days past that is contrary to the present revelation. We spoke with a limited understanding and without the light and knowledge that now has come into the world. Notice how he responds to the being questioned. You need to repent. How dare you, as you lowly member, would question me, an apostle of the church? I want to tell you that what you need to do, as well as all disbelieving people, you need to repent and get in line and believe the living modern prophet. And and Bill, all week you've been calling that something, gaslighting. Exactly. That's exactly what it is. It's gaslighting. And it even becomes more confusing when you have McConkie admit we spoke with a limited understanding and without the light and knowledge that now has come into the world. What light and knowledge came into the world that they didn't have before 1978? And would you get any of those leaders before 1978 to admit that their beliefs regarding blacks is really being taught without that proper light and a limited understanding? I doubt it. They all thought that they were being led by the Spirit of God. Now, we have Joseph Fielding Smith, Bruce McConkie's father-in-law, also stated that this doctrine about blacks not being allowed to hold the priesthood, or why they should not hold the priesthood, did not originate with Brigham Young. This is what he said in a book that he wrote called The Way to Perfection, page 110. This doctrine did not originate with President Brigham Young, but was taught by the prophet Joseph Smith. At a meeting of the General Authorities of the Church held August 22, 1895, the question of the status of the Negro in relation to the priesthood was asked, and the minutes of that meeting say, quote, President George Q. Cannon remarked that the prophet taught this doctrine, that the seed of Cain could not receive the priesthood, nor act in any of the offices of the priesthood, until the seed of Abel should come forward and take precedence over Cain's offspring, end quote. Now that seems to go along with what Brigham Young said. So if that's true, then why, in 1978, did they feel that the time had arrived Because that's not what previous leaders were saying, even though the Declaration itself seems to imply that. But Joseph Fielding Smith went on in an article that was found in the Improvement Era, April 1924, page 565. It was titled, The Negro and the Priesthood. What did he say in that article? It is true that the Negro race is barred from holding the priesthood, and this has always been the case. The prophet Joseph Smith taught this doctrine, and it was made known to him, although we know of no such statement in any revelation in the Doctrine and Covenants, Book of Mormon, or the Bible. However, in the Pearl of Great Price, we find the following statement written by Abraham, quote, 
Now, this first government of Egypt was established by Pharaoh, the eldest son of Egyptus, the daughter of Ham, and it was after the manner of the government of Ham, which was patriarchal. Pharaoh, being a righteous man, established his kingdom and judged his people wisely and justly all his days, seeking earnestly to imitate that order established by the fathers in the first generations in the days of the first patriarchal reign, even in the reign of Adam, and also of Noah, his father, who blessed him with the blessings of the earth and with the blessings of wisdom, but cursed him as pertaining to the priesthood." End quote. He gets that reference from the Pearl of Great Price, Abraham 125 and 26. In other words, he's going to the same verse that David O. McKay, the ninth president of the church, went to when he was asked, well, what verse are you using to support this? And David O. McKay said, I know of no scriptural basis for denying the priesthood to Negroes other than one verse in the book of Abraham. That's chapter 1, verse 26. Bill is... Abraham 126 still in the canon of the LDS Church. It absolutely is, and I've never heard any Latter-day Saint try to give the impression that the book of Abraham is just policy. Now remember, it talks about being cursed pertaining to the priesthood. They were not allowed to hold the priesthood. That was reversed. And now the church is trying to imply that that was merely a policy. So the question I'm asking if not allowing blacks to hold the priesthood was the policy, what, in fact, was the doctrine? Where did the policy come from? It seems like these leaders that we've cited so far, including the First Presidency in a statement from 1951, they all point back to the behavior of those individuals in the pre-mortal existence. Now, I want to read to you a message that was given in 1961 I read this typed copy in the church archives. I had to ask for it by name. They brought it to me. I was not allowed to make a photocopy of it, but they did say I could copy what I was reading, and so I merely retyped it out. This is a talk given by President Alvin R. Dyer at the Missionary Conference in Oslo, Norway on March 18, 1961. And it said on this type transcript, it is recommended that each missionary read this message several times in order to get a better understanding of the restored gospel. And it starts off with, why is it that you are white and not colored? Have you ever asked yourself that question? Who had anything to do with your being born into the church and not born a Chinese or a Hindu or a Negro. Is God such an unjust person that he would make you white and free and make a Negro cursed under the cursing of Cain that he should not hold the priesthood of God? Who do you think decided, and what is the reason behind it? There were three divisions of mankind in the preexistence, and when you are born into this life, you are born into one of these three divisions of people. There is an imposed judgment placed upon everyone who leaves the spirit world just the same as there will be when they leave this life and go into one of the three places. When they left the spirit world, they had already been judged by what they had done in the spirit world and in their previous life. 
He goes on to say, I suppose, and you often may have heard missionaries say it or have asked the question, why is a Negro a Negro? And you have heard this answer. Well, they must have been neutral in the pre-existence, or they must have straddled the issue. That is the most common saying. They were neither hot nor cold, so the Lord made them Negroes. This is, of course, not true. The reason that spirits are born into Negro bodies is because those spirits rejected the priesthood of God in the pre-existence. This is the reason you have Negroes on the earth. And then he goes on to say, this is why you have colored people, why you have dark people, and why you have white people. It's all predicated on how you behaved in the pre-existence. Now, Alvin R. Dyer died in 1977. He died one year before this whole notion that he just taught was wiped away. Ignore it. Nothing to see here. Keep on walking. But I think the church is now doing its members a disservice by really rewriting their own history. Because the early leaders certainly wouldn't go along with this statement that we've read here on page 27, because they saw doctrine and policy, as it's taught today, as being really one and the same. You couldn't believe, for instance, in plural marriage without practicing plural marriage. If you didn't practice it, you didn't receive the benefits of eternal life. So I guess you could say, Eric, as we've said this week, the church continues to be engaged in gaslighting its membership. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information regarding Mormonism Research Ministry, we encourage you to visit our website at www.mrm.org, where you can request our free newsletter, Mormonism Researched. We hope you will join us again as we look at another viewpoint on Mormonism.